1998, I founded the Kalamazoo Poetry Slam. I did it because I had a few talented friends who needed a place to take their art to the next level. And because I knew there had to be more voices out there waiting to be heard. And because I wanted to go to an open mic where at least two out of three poems didn't suck. My name is Tracy Smith, and this is the KZU Slamcast. This is Slam Later, like the poems are like, you dirty fucking whore. But this is one of the good ones from the beginning. My ears reach the suburban noise of night. There's a question asked in one limited moment to never cross I am the Smith. I am the poet. I am the Industrial Revolution. No longer bright as fireflies. This podcast is the first part of a slam that was recorded in March of 2000. The features are David Blank from Providence and Jason Carney and Tara Seth from Dallas, Texas. I lived around Dallas for a couple of years after college, and I often wonder to myself, what would have happened to me if I had discovered slam poetry a couple of years earlier while I was down there? The answer is probably nothing good, but it would have been a hell of a time. Amazing set of features tonight. And we've got a whole list of slammers, so it's going to be an amazing fucking ride. And I've got to mention that this is the last qualifying slam for the 2000 qualifying season. So it's going to be hairy. All right. So, coming faster than forgetting the light, no man can hold a candle to this flicker in the night. No demon slips the distance or holds you in with sin. Old ways will burn the business as the silencer sets in because the poet's in commotion and the room is spinning quick and his voice has found the fire where the air is getting thick and your ears won't hear the madness and your eyes won't see the lust that's a product of his sadness as he's clearing off the dust. So come in and catch the sickness or leave it outside the shop but never tell the passionate his voice has got to stop. Because now the time's for peddling the dope that's in the soul. The moment I relieve you of all your self-control. So take the cards I deal you and listen to the song. Prepare yourselves for slaughter, because soon you'll all be gone. You see, we're going to sex your density and pour you on the street. Cripple your intensity and shock you off those feet. In the night, it's going to eat you as the poet feeds you up. So put away your cigarettes and finish up your cup. Sit back and settle easy and forget the shit you heard. You're starting to get dizzy as I'm spilling out the words. As essence enters ecstasy, your head will clip the verve. Your motion becoming fluid as you get what you deserve. Don't think I'm going crazy as my body quakes and sways. You see, the poem can spin you twisted in lots of different ways. And I'm coming to the good part, where I lose you to the sound, where moment eclipses memory and your head starts rolling round, because this is what brought you here, and it rubs you way down deep. It wets the sense that severs you and grooves you from your seat. So leave that body that anchors you from the dumb shine we design. Follow the words of an underworld and find the oneness unconfined. And listen to the last lines and stop the dull man's breath. Stop those thoughts that plague you and live a poet's death. All right. And without further ado, we're going to bring up our first open micer of the evening. 
This is Slam Poem the Musical. And I've been waiting for this moment, this one refining moment, this whining, self-defining, loving, facing, trace, embracing, dance, shoe, lacing, all my life been waiting to give the world my single, solitary, beautiful, and redundant, self-maspiratory self. But are you ready for Slam Poem the Musical? Are you ready to sing and smile and dance and sway and smile and sway and sing and dance and sway and smile and dance and sing and dance and dance and dance your gay little heart into the devious arms of the legion of fag hag posers waiting to convert you backstage? Because this is Slam Pone the Musical. Prepare to escape your monumentous meaning of everything you will ever become on your way to dreaming of a life beyond the weight bar, beyond the steel case office divider, upon what you pin your unknown universe, beyond the office manager staring a hole through your yuppified, sun-ripened ass. And we will love you, Slam Poem the Musical. We will camp out all night for tickets to your blank verse effervescence. Make us feel inspirational, Slam Poem the Musical. Uplift us, bathe us in your tasty bad acting, reminding us that our mediocre lives aren't half as pathetic as the 19 weeks you took to rehearse and stage Slam Poem the Musical. Now Slam Poem the Musical is as common as Coke. In fact, we don't even refer to Slam Poem the Musical as Slam Poem the Musical any longer, but rather spit em the event, the main event. And even if you haven't seen a musical in quite some time, you will see Spit'em, the main event, because music is important like you are important. Like the first time you walked out of Spit'em, the event, surprised at the level at which it did not suck. Surprised it wasn't entirely a bag of shit. Surprised that sometimes Spit'em, the main event, is actually entertaining. But oh my god, I, I'm just so nervous right now. And I just want to say that my favorite dance number is shouldn't, children shouldn't play with sarcasm, as well as don't take me like a ghost and put you in my nightmare. And I love the way Spit'em is so much more than the kind of theater of the cruel that Artisan imagined when he inspired Bobby Joe McPherson III to create Spit'em, the main event from his obscure novel Nausea. And don't you think that musicals are just like sex? And don't you agree that Spin'em, the main event, is better than Cats? And all I can think of now is, is Spin'em, the main event, and touring with Spin'em, the main event, and singing songs from Spin'em, the main event, on Saturday, Monday, and Thursday night karaoke, and I have a Spin'em tattoo, want to see it? But don't you want it to be like, it's so like real life, like Spin'em is me, the real me. Spin'em makes me feel alive and free and laughing like a happy little girl again. And forgiven and loved and released and reclaimed and renamed. When they sing that I want song and everyone gets on stage and tells everyone else who isn't listening because they're all thinking and singing and dancing and smiling and swaying about what they really want is I'll tell them what they want, what I want, that what I want. I, so I want, I wanted anything to want, I wanted this one explosion of everlasting somethingness to never, ever end. And 10 years from now, when you pawn through your neighbor's garage sale floor for a faded commemorative espinum on the tour t-shirt, and the local homeschool association is reviving the royalty-free, no budget available only to high school and senior citizens, musical societies for donation-only based productions, while small-town junior high choral instructors fearlessly write their own finales to include a 50-piece march, marching band and a 10-minute mime solo, while Bobby Joe McPherson III withers in a sweaty rehab center, crawling his way towards sobriety inch by angry inch. 
We will remember Slam Pony Musical, for without it, it we would have never made it through puberty. And so what? So what? They've got fat 18-year-old acne pot tenors playing William Burroughs now. So what? They've got Jennifer Love Hewitt clones playing Patti Smith, goofing on that, the girl that shot Andy Warhol. We remember how it was in the beginning, before the spinoffs, Slam hit just the courses, and... John Tesh playing Sly live at Leadville, Colorado, and Slam on Ice. Don't let it be a sham. We'll always love our little jam. For one brief shining moment known as Slam Poem the Musical. I am need of your inspiration. So I am here sleeping in front of your window, watching birds slowly invade the passionate interlude of that night. That night that never happened because I was so afraid, so petrified, so scared of your smile, your pale blue eyes, your lips, your body lodged together with mine, channeling into one large, sexually confused, single-celled insanity. I was so damn afraid of your happiness. And now you sit in front of your mirror singing an old past forgotten lullaby, the one grandmother once sang, babe at arms, praising a youth that would one day become the sorry can't talk now, born again virgin, social drinking, good Christian, morally against red meat female specimen that stands before me, condemning a life too easy to be her own, yet too damn hard to be anyone else's. This is me, and I'm so lonely. So you cry and you cry just looking at yourself in that cracked and untruthful mirror. And life is so difficult, and I'm so empty. Knowing damn well we all envy your six jet skis, cottage on the lake, pen club member, daddy's adapter lifestyle. We envy you, all of you, all of your brothers and addict, mommies and info, and daddy doesn't give two shits, family issues. We envy you, all of you. And I could follow you, you're such a stupid whore, so simple, whispering, scraping, dissolving your useless preachings into my anti-everything ears. I'm waiting for that one moment when you turn around and call my name. So whisper, all that cannot be hailed as a saint nor devil, coincidence nor omen, tell me, coordinate, coordinate my soul to serve you, shape my love to jeer you. For I cannot worship such a goddess who cannot conceive the web of omens she weaves, spindling from your well-meaning orifice. In my last moments I prayed to be in your arms singing that lullaby and searching for my liberation, my exodus. And I could climb to your window right now and wipe those large tears from your blue, or your gorgeous, swollen blue eyes. But you're so beautiful, so sexy when you cry. Have I seen her before? I have a fresh-faced new acquaintance we met someplace in a conversation between the what-have-yous and forget-me-nots. If for her I had one word, she would embody all that intrigues me. Her form, a lush flower-filled vase, its languishing perfume, essence, and creativity wafts throughout the room, permeating my perceptions. Her being exudes a sharp silk and sumptuousness as if she has wrapped herself in pure enigma, a fey blanket of self-confidence engaging me directly, eyes slight, hesitance, look and stare, arched eyebrows mesmerizing. Her eyes gaze constantly open. I reel from enchantment, enamored, cotton, fettered, heel-to-toe pacing upon gnarled carpets and foot-worn rugs. Tassels, vibrant, I can't escape her visage. Her image is constant delusion of my sublime streaming sanctity. My thought place is but a palace for me to fancy her, shorn of our fashion sense, still warm in each other's eyes, fingers, feathers, supple adoration. Intimate touch, the lack, satin bedspreaded conception, communion, souls no longer strangers, consummate in our trust. 
the caress of emotional fulfillment, eyes intoxicating and brazen, smoldering in them. You are all vitality in them. I am lost for all time. Orpheus once told me the telling tale of a soul's search for true love begat the lost. The pain me with the truth of failed adventure, the listless journey of a failed troubadour, waiting vainly for that magical chorus's climactic crescendo, the one long sad song sung until the bacchanal of wanton passion, the raving madness arms of cheap hotels, dank with dewdrops, moss, and mold, fleeting passion amidst paisley wallpapers, a bed that nobody would lay claim to, all living passion, spent like a famous-faced coin, Caesar on an Ides of March, thrown to the incidental moment, the revelations of calamity, a sheer moment of ecstasy with never a solitary thought for the gluttonous feast's aftermath, held to no one, frozen and shivering, cold and alone. Back to the conversational crux, that seething charm, the mouth's smooth, curving smile. It is a moment of pure truth, a sacrament within a pure moment, one I wish would never go away, captivating. She knows that few can withstand her graces, certainly not the obtuse culture whore that I have become, always wailing for a new muse to hold aloft upon a gleaming golden pedestal so that I may reflect her light and existential essence because I am weak, tight-lashed against myself, and my ideal of her dusk and hues still not broken by my judgment. <laughs> now standing alone, now was shown my situation. The star I'm chasing seems out of reach, but it's that of Nathan. Fly a fall. In a stranger's eyes, you think I had it all, but you don't know my inner war stories. I hear the call of my past, not far behind. I'm falling from grace, I can't run, nowhere to hide like I'm suspended in space deep in this mental prison. I've tried to loosen the bars, I know now, while fallen angels tend to envy the stars, pipe dreams of being something greater, tortures the soul. And if all the world's a stage, then what the fuck is my role? Nobody knows. And that's why I'm depressed, it seems. In this life, all I'll ever really have is my dreams. They're all I've got to lose. All else is falling away, but at times, even my dreams seem so far in the way. I swear there's nothing left. I feel my back to the wall. I've come too far to turn back, but up ahead, I swear there's nothing at all. Chasing the stream, it doesn't want to be caught. And with every failed attempt, another part of me's lost. Sometimes I'll stare up at the sky and hate what I see. With all the stars and my dreams are there, laughing at me. All right, one more. Gotta get out of here. <laughs> it's that man who's laid back, but still keeps it wild. A drifter as a man, outcasted as a child. Now mentally, I never let it bother me much. Because instead of being blessed, well, a nigga was touched in the dome. Leave me alone, I gotta get my thoughts straight. I try to hold it down, but I can't concentrate. Reoccurring nightmares, screams in the dark. Did I bring this on myself, or was I fucked from the start? My head stuck in the clouds, tears falling to earth. Because I've been trapped in this hell since birth. Now worse comes to worse. It makes a nigga have to wonder why. I lie each time I smile, because really, I want to cry. Damn, so confused. So at times, I gotta ask, should I cancel my future just to escape from my past? Whoever said that this life I lead was simple. If it was, I wouldn't do 85. And residentials wouldn't have to deal with crooked thoughts all the time. Wouldn't have to struggle just to find peace of mind. And so a sad chapter must come to a close because the alcohol just spilled all in my clothes. Damn. Hi. Okay. This doesn't have a title. You better get a word. When you get there, will you have your word? That TV doesn't have your word. Money will not get me that word. The world's full of words. You better get a word. Everybody's worried if their word is better than everybody else's word. And when you get your word, how will you know it's the right word? It doesn't matter when you die who has the most words. You can't take that word with you. 
And if you get a word, keep in mind, words aren't always as they appear to be. Take the word love. That word, place that word backwards, it becomes the word evil. Take the word life, drop the F, it becomes the word lie. Take the word live, drop the V, it reads lie. So if you love living life, then you must love living lies. So scramble to get your word, you better get your word. Words hurt, but we all seem to want a fucking word. Words are like assholes, everybody's got one. Who's to say fuck is a bad word? Who said asshole is a bad word? Words, they're all just words. Don't sell your word, it might be worth something someday. Sorry, I'm at a loss for words. Creativity comes like a thief in the night. You cannot choke her and you cannot postpone her. She comes to you when your room is a mess, when you haven't had breakfast, when you are in your most profound REM sleep. Creativity comes after you have made love with mad passion. It comes when you still have that one thing left to do. I was always telling her to hold on. I was always shooing her away for the sake of closure. I failed to realize she doesn't respect timelines. She doesn't succumb to endings or beginnings. I used to tell her to wait because the house is a mess. Wait because I'm terribly exhausted. Wait because first I have to paint my nails. And as I look over the years, she slipped through my fingers every time. I always thought she would be right there waiting on me in my scheduled time slot. That was not the case, for she is very jealous. If she has shown you favor, she expects you to welcome her at every moment she woos you. She doesn't care if it's a napkin, a matchbox, the palm of your hand. No, it doesn't matter the medium. It could be pencil, pen, eyeliner, lipstick, eyeshadow, but she wants you to let her in with whatever you can. When she is ready, her passion is fleeting. It is wise to hold her, give her a taste, prepare her for a time when you can yield your desire with reckless abandon. I met you through a girl we knew, never bought a dime with an eighth or two. I've always found myself with the freaks of this world, and you're included, Brian. Best Domino's driver that ever was, driving on the straightaway to ways. On the hard driving game, so real before virtual was the term. And you could dance. Baseline got the 909 time, and you could dance. Crushed up poems, do this line, and you could dance. Bugging out to the sound of the city around, and you could dance. Samples drove the rhythm we found higher. Mobius stripped this DJ song higher. Nightclub demons danced till dawn higher. To the many things our minds were playing higher. It was the voice of Raven saying higher until higher. The pills higher until boom, shakalakalaka, boom, boom. You know, I went back to club and you know, you were six feet down in the dirt below and I knew. You borrowed money from big shot friends, no one ever saw you again and I knew. 
They said they found your body on a charred grassy knoll inside the melted carcass of your lowrider Fiero. The report from the corner said the flames came around inside. Monoxide in your body proved you were alive. I went down to the boneyard trying to find your grave, but there ain't no headstone for the king of the rave. Now, dancing on this grave ain't mean despite what you have heard, because this is how we bury friends in the spoken word. Help me now. Higher, lift him higher, lift him higher. This Fiero's now a funeral pyre. Higher, Brian, higher, Brian, Brian! Um, it's funny to be seeing some sort of uh, familiar faces with the features here and everything. And um, <laughs> I'm sorry, Dave. Yeah. I knew an old woman who swallowed a fly. I don't know why she swallowed that fly. Perhaps she's cruel. Oh, you shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse them sexually. When your cat goes into heat, don't break out the Q-tip. When your cat goes into heat, follow our new tip. Oh, you shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse them sexually. You shouldn't have let the ferret get high. No, you shouldn't have done that. And let him make out with the toupee. No, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, you shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse them sexually. Now don't be jealous of your dog. He can, you can walk on two legs, but he looks better in your leather. Fetching on four legs. Oh, you shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse them sexually. It's illegal to artificially inseminate horses. No, you're not allowed to do that. It's illegal to artificially inseminate horses, even in Great Britain. Oh, you shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse them sexually. But you can do anything you want to cows. You can do anything at all. You can do anything you want to cows. Because sometimes pets are food. Oh, you shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse them sexually. But in all of the animal whorehouses that you have ever been to, never have you ever seen a cow getting screwed by a Hindu. Oh, you shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse their pets. You shouldn't abuse your pets, your pets. You shouldn't abuse them sexually. Oh, I knew a young man who gave head to a fly. I don't know why he gave head to a fly. Perhaps I'll try. <laughs> Twanky martini joint, not my usual breed of haunt. Packed with overloud suits whose manicured hands are weighed down with chunks of gold and who own boats with names like 
Lady Luck. But it's an empty Friday night, and restlessness pricks at my skin, and besides, I know the band. So I wedge myself in between egos at the bar, and guzzle beers slid my way by nods and winks, until a subtle stir in the hazy mirror draws a glance over my shoulder to where the herd has parted craned necks and glassy stares around a man laid out flat, the perfect ambient lighting highlighting his convulsions. The band skids to a ragged halt mere moments before paramedics push in to thump and shock the empty chest as snippets of what happened begin to sift through the throng and I hear that the poor bastard lay there for five faltering minutes not breathing because no one would risk mouth-to-mouth with no mask. And I wonder, fuming, why the hell no one yelled the second the guy toppled, but it's now a moot point because the ambulance is prying itself off the curb with no scarlet light stabbing into the dark. So I stride through the neon-tinted mist out back of the bar, a cigar thrust between my clenched teeth, trying to blow away the clinging image of the man's boot heels, drumming an uneven counterpoint against the carpet to the background rhythm of the blues. Or the one my still-too-sober imagination has conjured up, of Lansing's finest paying a 2 a.m. house call to a bleary-eyed woman whose knees crumple once shock seeps through her sleep. And I spit smoke at the river that spangles in the streetlights like someone tossed out diamonds with their cigarette butts and straw wrappers. And the quiet beauty of it registers, just as my musician friend murmurs, you know, every breath is a gift. So we shrug off the gloom, and we shoulder our way back into a crowd thick with the uneasy tension of desperate laughter. And I squeeze into the gap between the chairs that serves as the dance floor, and I fling myself into the arms of a sly in the family stone cover, stomping and swaying and sweating until every last gift burns in my pounding chest. I figured I'd better use this one up, or I'm going to have to wait another four years. My fellow Americans, I've come before you tonight to ask for your support as I announce my candidacy for the highest office in the land, the President of the United States of America. Ours will not be a popular campaign in Washington, but a populist campaign for America. We will use the landslide victory we expect you to hand us to introduce sweeping reforms, to roll back the Reagan revolution, to reverse the current tide of rich getting richer on the backs of the people. Needless to say, many of the obscenely wealthy will fight this, will object to paying their fair share of taxes. They may object to fair labor laws, laws to protect your safety and a national health care plan. They will resist any meaningful change. And the guillotines will run day and night. <laughs> Elect me president and I pledge that the first investigations of my term will be to discover what elected officials at any level are going to retire a little too comfortably on payoffs from foreign industrialists who help downsize you out of a job. There will be full employment in the firing squads. In my term of office, we will listen patiently when giant multinationals ask us to commit your tax dollars, your sons and daughters, to waging war in defense of their interests abroad. We will say to them, Sorry about your luck. And then we will use the projected war budget to finance all primary, secondary, and college education in this country for the rest of our term. 
The portion of the military budget given over to weapons research will be liberally, get it, liberally? I say liberally rated to fund pure research in this country. Many will object, but the Pentagon is overdue for some downsizing. The CIA, NSA, and the IRS will finally be audited by Sweden. <laughs> and because our administration will be committed to family values in a way that xenophobic, inbred, control-freak TV preachers can only dream of, we will not have a national drug testing program. But we will have a national parenting skills test. <laughs> There will be trick questions, like what weight baseball bat should be used to discipline children under seven years? And how many ounces of whiskey should be used to put infants to sleep? As well as which outside agency is to blame when your child kills someone? Needless to say, many people will fail this test, and the gibbets will groan under the weight. My friends, with your mandate, I will push for constitutional amendments like the ERA because some problems just don't go away. And for an amendment requiring the laws of the land to be written in language plain enough to be understood by a majority of high school graduates. Needless to say, the 90% plus of the U.S. legislative branch composed of wealthy lawyers will resist these changes. The carrion birds will blot out the sun. <laughs> And because I know the media will want to keep tabs on my sex life rather than on my performance as an administrator, ours will be the first administration in this country's history to have tiny video camcorders surgically implanted so that you don't miss anything. <laughs> you will know if we are making sound national policy or simply sublimating a fat lot of sexual frustration. In fact, my entire administration will pledge to you to seek out bizarre, interesting, totally improper, and above all, entertaining sexual contacts for maximum voter approval. And it will be pay-per-view with all profits used to help revitalize the space program so that if the comet comes, we can do something instead of standing around singing hymns. So that if space aliens come, our relationship with them won't resemble the first so-called Indians that Columbus came across. Lastly, I pledge to you that if elected, I will not get spendy haircuts at your expense. I will not get a haircut, period. <laughs> I will not spend vast sums to refurbish antique battleships only to scrap them a few years later. I will take the money and procure tanks for my administration so that you won't have to worry about the CIA getting to me before my programs get implemented. <laughs> it will be the Presidential Tank Battalion, and all of our onboard computers will use operating systems by BE Corporation so that we won't have to worry about Microsoft hackers getting to us. And we will investigate Bill Gates because we believe that anyone with enough personal wealth to buy the entire Persian Gulf War out of pocket Bears watching. <laughs> I hear you asking, America, why a tank battalion? Because court battles rage while pollution continues. Because there should not be a safe place for the wealthy when they beat down the rest of us like medieval peasants. Because they should know fear the way the populace does. Because without infantry support, tanks are helpless. And the moment that you, the people, withdraw your support, my administration would prefer to be helpless. I thank you.
How y'all doing tonight? My name is David Blank. Give it up for it. I don't know. Let me understand. Let me explain something to you. We are going to be the feature before the last open qualifying slam. This means that it is our contractual obligation to get you into an orgy of crazy madness where you're stripping off your clothes and throwing them for poetry. So let me ask you this again. How are you tonight? I finished tying up my laces, click in the last strap, and let my feet rest in the inline skates. This is when I say a small prayer to God. Dear God, I'm about to kiss my ass goodbye. Please let these bruises be small. Give me fleeting moments of grace. And God, if these wheels can move fast enough, I skate onto that park's floor and I feel your thing wheels on cement. I see this empty half pipe and I start to skate up it and I'm in the air and I'm losing my balance and I'm falling head over tail, head over tail, landing on my ass really hard. Ow. I dust myself off and I'm about to do it again when suddenly this 11-year-old kid skates out of nowhere and goes, um... Excuse me, sir, but aren't you a little young for a midlife crisis? And if these wheels could move fast enough, I swear I remember being 11 years old and the voice on the other end of the phone telling me that at 140 pounds, I was too fat. I mean, heavy to play football with the other kids. At 140 pounds, I was too fat. I mean, heavy. And I might hurt someone, hurt like their jokes, like their laughter, like their pointing fingers. And I'm back at that skate park, and I'm skating up that half pipe. And this time, I'm doing it right. I'm stalling six feet in the air. It's like being weightlessness. It's like having wings on your back. It's like weightlessness. Wings, weightlessness. Wings, way, way. Weighing in after wrestling practice my junior year, and there's this kid yelling at me from behind. Dave, we all know you're the unlimited heavyweight, you fat fuck. Why do you even bother wrestling in the first place, you fish? You know you're never even going to win a match. Get off that scale before you break it. And if these wheels could move fast enough, and if these wheels can move fast enough, and if these wheels can go, I will prove equals MC squares. My mass times the speed of light will become the sun in the sky. When these wheels move fast enough, I'm going to play practical jokes like Loki. I'm going to steal that big dumb Thor's hammer and replace it with something really dangerous like... A Twinkie. When these wheels move fast enough, when these wheels move fast enough, I'm going to challenge Superman, The Flash, Hell, the God Mercury to a race. I'm going to beat them all to the finish line, smack them each on the ass as they go by and say, hey, not bad for a bunch of skinny guys. When these wheels move fast enough, when these wheels move fast enough, I'm going to challenge Michael Jordan and the Harlem Globetrotters to a basketball game versus me, Porky Pig. Fat Albert, we'll be nice, give them a 10-point lead, and after we win, they're gonna have to buy us tofu burgers. I'll be real nice, share mine with Mike, because y'all know he wants to be like me. When these wheels move fast enough, when these wheels move fast enough, I'm gonna kidnap Susan Powders and Jenny Craig. I'm gonna take them all to Weight Watchers and teach them how to dream like overweight children. Teach them that dreams have no waist size, no calorie count, no diet. In fact, the heavier they are, the higher they will fly into the sky. Because you see, when these wheels move fast enough, and these wheels will move fast enough, all those bastards that said fat kids can't will find themselves choking on my dust, standing in the shadow of my ass, shooting through the stratosphere. How's everybody doing? All right. Uh, we want to... Thank y'all for letting us be here tonight. This is our last show before Tara and I head back to Dallas. We've been on the road for two months, and uh, we're uh, real excited to be here with y'all tonight. And uh, thanks for having us. I get to see my daughter uh, tomorrow about, I don't know, four or five in the morning, so I want to start out my evening with my poem for her. These fingers, 
These fingers lack the syllables to scrawl that childlike pulse into the blue, and with every conscious breath I take, the color of your name runs numb as cocaine through my lips. I fear this awareness of you. A heartbeat that will soon have eyes piercing the imperfections on this beveled face. You will know the plastic bones that lay inside my frame, dormant, hiding from recollection. I don't think you would understand this boy playing in the world of men, walking in ambivalent circles, saturating smoky dirt into glass bowls, chanting as a lunatic, pleading with the shadows of night, repetitive lurching figures on a half-plate gold, wiry, white-cracked bedroom wall to keep to themselves. In these barren images of childhood, I trudge alone within the tremors of my sleep, searching for the strength to feel the textures of your angelic face that are walled out by scabs, entrenched on wounds, peering his eyes. And in the blindness of my fear, I cuddle for comfort the skin in which you have weaved your cocoon. Inhale, breath shit. You have not taken in unison with the faint palpitations of your life that ring out from beneath my palm. And I discover here in the subtle warmness of our embrace the courage to peel away the cataracts of my disease and see clearly for the first time the glory of my own mortality. So that I might stand before you no longer that little boy carelessly whistling in the perils of the dark. For I understand life's worth lies not in its end, but the knowledge we shall all gain on the journey to it. So I'm going to open my ears to a swirling wind, spreading the wisdom of a child across my face. And I can hear the spirit of a little girl sing to me of self-belief that a hidden fault would only deepen. Through my imperfection, she gains the ability to learn that somewhere in heaven she has carved out my name and chosen these frail shoulders upon which to stand. And my body trembles, fingers once again perched on the syllables to scrawl that childlike pulse into the blue. And I feel a tiny calming, delicate hand, wrap around mine, form to it like a glove, lifts this arm, carves her name, Olivia. Olivia. That's my child. Such an amazing, amazing strength. Innocence and naivety, even in my youngest days, are luxuries I have never been able to afford. Clarifying beauty in its rarest form, my sin sent to me by Eve. But promise is the base word of promiscuity. Sanity slips through my fingers like I left it on the dining room table before I tried to walk out the door. Emotionally masochistic, torrid pleasures, empty love affairs settle on the base of my thighs, titillating down to the lifeless crotch belonging to me. I love to eat apples, picked off a tree, trees of knowledge and truth, fountains of youth inside of me. And my red ass poking out of my jeans, enticing little boys' affections, only one of my afflictions. And after centuries of being called witches and tempestuous, I have nightmares there will be another million man march where a million men will be screaming at me, give us our ribs back. And to prove, to prove that I am worthy to live, I'm going to have to give each of them head. Now it's just a wet dream. All their names are Adam. They are calling me Eve. It's a million-man march just for me. Biting into my apple one at a time. All women possess the Garden of Eden, don't we, girls? Casually whoring it out at our own expense and discretion. The depths of our passion depends on the depths of y'all's wallets at dinner. So envision God smirking at the cause of men and women in each other's arms. In an arrogant war between God and Satan, we have been set up. We have become pawns for the battle of the sexes. So I'm sharing my secrets. Y'all come close. I'm spreading the news and I am calling a truce. Come closer. 
Eve was framed. Tara, Seth, and Jason Carney, give it up for them some more. I like that. All right, I'm from Providence, I'm from Iowa, I'm going to Dallas, I'm gonna be living in Austin. So this is a poem about leaving, and Sean will understand this, because this is about leaving Providence. It was in cold lightning that I dreamed the moon left me here, and you and I were wandering like madness, like life left us here to drift. And I can't help but think about the sea and highways at times like this. This is the moment of the breakdown and communication between me and myself as my words have run off. The dance word is warm in the desert to the coyote's song. My home has become the walls and rugs of a madman strung out by sterility and a void so zen that it hurts. If zen would just let me hurt for just one moment, but now emptiness is binding me in strange foreshadowing of vision quest pacing chemicals running through my system like spitfire. This is the aftermath of every binge time has left to me. I am the only voice here. A constant echo of goodbyes said so often they have taken the shapes of monsters. The largest one is named Guilt. He is dressed in fur the color of dried blood. One eye constantly dripping tears. Voice, a wild windstorm. In his hand, he holds a clipboard and he is marking off each of my mistakes one by one. And if he let those pages fall, I would drown. Standing next to him is his lover, Longing. She is a wisp of silver-red lipstick, a shadow of soft flesh. She is breath of pollen layered on flowers. She is every what-if that hope can dream up. Her hand passes by my cheek, and every nerve tingles in anticipation of that touch. But that never happens. The moon cracks through it, but there is no howl left in me. No sound to place in this tune. No memory sharp enough to cut through this ice-encrusted layer. Frozen by these feelings, this is the moment of a blizzard. White blindfolding the heart, slowing the blood, waiting for sleep. But she is not coming. This is the madness melody. The sun has been gone too long. A thousand tears unrelinquished, lying to yourself and everyone around you. This is what the desert is, the last note in a song you thought would never end. This is mayhem and mercury sucked down your throat and pity. Pity's left you for dead. What's left over is vast and indescribable. Only the moon is left laughing. And you don't know if you should hold on or just let go like some blaze of glory, some switchblade tap dance, some gun-toting recital. This is the silence of violence that only hurts yourself. And all you really wish for is someone warm to lie down in bed with you. But you've been waking up on the floor alone. And soon, soon you and I, we won't even have that. All right, so I'm going home to Texas tomorrow. You people want to get a little rednecky with me real quick? Do you mind? You know, I'm getting real tired of small-minded people who say redneck means racist. We're just not smart enough to spell it. See, because I ain't that backwoodsy trailer park trashy. All my brothers and sisters are named Bubba, kind of redneck. I am a redneck poet. Uneducated sexist. 
Say I no longer believe a woman's place is in the home. Hell, somebody needs to go out and support my worthless, unemployed, poetic ass. I believe in equality in the bedroom. <laughs> Giving you love and so divine, rocking your world three minutes at a time, baby. My idea of foreplay is, ooh, I am about to come. I am a redneck poet. Lover extraordinaire, hell, I'm horny as a 17-year-old and just as delusional. I believe this is nine inches. See, I am a redneck poet, cosmopolitan and suave. Now, I almost have an associate's degree, and I've been known to be quite profound, saying some of the most prophetic of things, like, you don't fuck with the fucker because the fucker's been fucking too long. Did I mention that I was charming? <laughs> hell, I got the manners of a southern gentleman, except when I cuss, spit, drink, or fart. I am a redneck poet. A political activist. Now, I got some good ideas, and I believe I'm on the right track. I'm ready to be a revolutionary, but I want revolution to be televised because that's where the money's at. See, we're going to call it Country Fried Jets, Hillbilly Rebellion, and All-You-Can-Eat Barbecue Buffet, broadcasting live from a clusterfuck of inbreds, tailgating down at the NASCAR track, a political machine for the common folk in 400 laps. Now, I am a redneck poet, a bit of an eccentric, and you'd probably say I was liberal. Hell, I believe a topless dancer should be elected president. Now, maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part, but I'd rather throw my money away looking at the T's than throw my money away while I'm getting fucked in the ass. And besides, who you think's gonna raise the most lit anyway? George Bush or a set of 36 Triple D fake breast stuff conservatively into a power thong? I got five words for you. Record voter turnout and lap dances. I'm a redneck poet. I'm gonna tell it like it is and I ain't gonna be messed with. For all you people talking shit about how the South's gonna rise again, saying so-and-so can get back on the fucking boat if they don't like it here. See, I think you're forgetting that white people are the renters who stole the option to buy. And the only motherfucker with an alienable right in this land is named Jose Yellowfeather. But he's getting kind of tired of him to stand on street corners waiting to make $4 an hour out of the back of a pickup truck. See, I'm a redneck poet. I'm going to tell it like it is and I ain't going to be messed with. I live in a land of a homophobic Jesus and his disciples of hate and there's nothing funny about that. See, i got to transcend the mythology and stereotypical ideologies of where I come from so I can translate the abonics of hee-haw. I'm a redneck poet. I'm going to tell it like it is, and I ain't going to be fucked with. I'm going to stand for what I believe. i got a fully loaded gun rack in the back of my Camry. <laughs> but I'm just too damn big of a man to use it. He is so fucking amazing. Goddamn. So now I have to follow him. Flashback. Time for my memory to rewind, to become the scribe that scrawls these words into the vortex, forced together in the spaces in between God. I remember doing the Spanish flamenco licentiously, flashing fast through ten minutes of death. I remember my legs curled on the toilet, trying not to fall in, hiding my feet but not my tongue while it choked on Hebrew prayers, clinging to unkosher bathroom ceilings. I remember each minute sentenced by another gunshot. This is the fundamental learning that can only be done while living shamelessly. And shameful in heaven is a frightening question. So on tight ropes of fear, I walk softly, tiptoe barely, and wail. I heard a woman's cathartic release. A city's flash flood warning. A sawed-off shotgun lies spent and lonely while its bullets found their way as smooth as Cupid's arrow. Signals of love for Porfirio. Porfirio, a name from Shakespeare, a name finding itself cradled in the wombs of angels, rebirthed and removed like my t-shirt that sought to stop the mortifying moments of blood, blue, and clean inside his veins. 
But he spoke. Broken Spanish and English translating, translating into liquid flashpoints. Forgotten Kaddish and Hail Marys leak from tear-stained mouths as we made an effort to kill fear with the one word we both knew, tequila. <laughs> and his laughter was tight-lipped as he said, Cayete mija, and I knew him well enough to know he thought I was acting like a child and my tears were only selfish. So I grew up for him. I filled up the spaces in between God, laid him down on the floor, washed him pure, and held his hand. Questions already answered, lives already taken. These are the flash images as I stand languid, another witness in the courtroom of a morgue. Time is rewinding and recalling Porfirio. Porfirio writing in Shakespeare's hands, sending money to Mexico for six babies, feeling his spirit tug at my shirt sleeve. His eyes are now of me. Surprised, I am in a courtroom and defending the victim, sleepkeeper of the shaman who holds the keys, speaking for the dead as he erases the blood from my cheek with an untouched thumb and calls me Miha. I am another child to feed, looking up at him as he squeezes the pain into my arms and reads the length of lifelines in our palms. He kisses the inside of our gypsy fingers gently and traces each space in between God. And I can only remember the thrill and the rapture and the torment of holding his hands. Tara Seth, give it up. Is this starting to feel like a party? I like parties. Drink some beer. Tip the bartender. I broke a glass. You need to make up for it. God! God is spelled G-O-D. Dog. Dog is spelled D-O-G. They're reversed. Now, have you ever wondered who decided that in the English language, the creator of the entire universe, you know, the big cheese is spelled G-O-D so you could flip it around and talk about a small furry creature that likes to drink out of toilets? The first time I ever realized this, I was at the movies with my friends Justin and Rodney. We're at this beef flick called Warlock, and in this movie, there's this satanic Bible with the name of God written on it. And if anyone ever dared to read it backwards, the entire world would uncreate. Suddenly, my friend Justin jumps up and starts screaming, It's dog, you idiot! God spelled backwards is dog! <laughs> and we got thrown out of the movie theater. <laughs> Banned, actually. I had to rent that crummy film just to see the end. But you see, these are the ironies God waits lifetimes for. Because the first time God ever came into my dreams, it was in the form of a dog. Now, God being what God is, which is basically almighty, can come into my dreams in any way God wants. So if God's going to come in my dreams, you'd expect like a masculine pet bull or a pretty little pedigree, maybe even a well-hung mastiff. But no, God comes into my dreams in the form of a mutt. Something like Benji, just not as cute. And looks at me with those big dog eyes and says, I know, I know, I know, I know. Of course you know, you're God. You know everything, you know every leaf on every tree, every blade of grass on earth. You even knew what I was doing in my parents' bathroom with the door locked, the cosmopolitan and the Vaseline. Um, I mean, you're God, of course you know everything. But this is the problem when you're talking to the Almighty themselves. They sometimes answer your questions before you even bother to think them and all you can do is ask a new question. Excuse me? 
He goes, I know you're wondering why a dog. Why a simple little dog? Why, yes, God, that's exactly what I was thinking. It's simple, you see. I want to talk with you, have a conversation, have you talk back to me. It's so much easier when you're not down on your hands and knees telling me how unworthy you are doing those psalms over and over again or having your hair turn white. I know how hard it is to talk to God. God was right. For the first time in my life, I was talking to God with no worries or fears. It's like I found God to stray, picked them up, begged him, my mom if I could keep him, only to be woken up in the morning with God jumping up and down in my bed with a leash in his mouth, begging me to take God for a walk. But this is God. Can anything so omnipotent be so simple? He asks me if I'm ready, and I'm not one to question God too much, so all I can do is say, yes. And with a paw outstretched in the way dogs can't, he begs me to lead home. And as I start to walk home in the dream, I know God is following behind me, wagging his tail all the way home. My arms are beggars searching for a home. I indulge myself a half-life skipping stone, skimming the murky skin of recollection, creating ripples and nothing more. My arms are beggars creating ripples and nothing more. And I begin to pretend that breath can erase 1,000 touches lost to the sleep of euphoria. Incantations in the language elude alive without the faith of prayer. My mouth blistered with the stench of gasoline and rotting teeth bleeding echoes to the death. Yesterday's have become years falling like knotted scabs off my tongue and I shame myself. Glisten beyond implosion. Rattle with the chatter of insomnia's conversations. Hold my lifetime within the confines of an opalescent bag. I shame myself. Crave a sickness within a sickness. Caressing it as a child. Bleeding echoes to the death. Craving for voices to be real and paranoia to be sovereign. I justify righteousness to fall at my knees. I shame myself wasting God's time. And I begin to pretend to the past long before the sleep of euphoria. When as a boy, my mama gave me a prophecy filled with the vigor of the verb that as a man, I should bask my body in poetry and find my redemption within the brittle stare of the young. She would say that as I sleep, God reaches out with fingers of serenity and beckons to breach a bubble of infinity so that horizons of divinity will rise up and spread virtue to mankind upon an angel's tongue. And I begin to pretend that angels come to me. Made from the flesh of words, succulent and ripe, the tempestuous yearning of life spills from their sides and within the brittle stare of the young, tomorrow will seek knowledge of their name. They move with the vengeance of laughter, these scribes a man cried who trade tale across eons of time. So I'm laying my throat at their altar and praying to speak with the tongue of a child, a dialect of humble, subtle truths that will allow me to understand the way my father's shadow falls across my bones in a cadence of blue. That the past will not be the present, and the present will not be returning again, and that love can be the most vulgar of worlds when placed in the wrong person's hands. And I'm beginning to understand that the only thing standing in between me and totally knowing a woman emotionally is a penis. And although mine's not very big, it has carved canyons in my life. And I'm believing in the power of one word, two consonants surrounded by three vowels, four syllables, whose sound exhaled is the only thing I need to put up these nostrils to feel alive. And the way she smiles at me, the way she smiles at me, wraps her hand around my finger, looks up and says, Daddy, I don't know how any man alive couldn't find the gospel in that. So I'm believing in angels and they're speaking to me of the power of three 
one woman, one man, and a child, a family. Because the past will not be the present and the present will not be returning again. And love can be the most luminous of worlds when placed in the right person's hand. So I'm believing in angels because believing and believing is all I got left. I'm believing in angels because believing and believing is all I got left. Because my arms are mere beggars cradling angels. My love poem. This is my love poem. Yes! <laughs> it's the same conversation, different men on the same night. And I'm so tired of my Jezebel act, but I go ahead and say, you are so cute. I could just take you home, kill you, stuff you, and hang you up so I could play with you all the time. I want to feel you inside of me. May I kiss you? But I will expect more, I say. Please let me suck your dick as long as you eat my pussy. And don't be gentle, baby. Fuck me. Don't make love to me. And yes, I do like it from behind. May I be your slave? Will you be mine? And he smiles and I say, I will want more. Tell me what you want to do to me. What is it you want me to do to you? I feel beautiful when you touch me. And no, I haven't had sex with many men, but I do have a few toys. <laughs> You get me so wet. But I don't want to know your name, baby, because it's all about my name. Shut up, Jason. (laughs) And I I need to hear you call it out some more. Of course I love you. You are definitely the biggest, the biggest I've ever seen. I get it. I feel safe in your arms and then I have to coolie bag. Please give me more. Watch me masturbate. Would you like a massage? It's my turn to be on top. May I slam you down? May I tie you up? And yeah, play with my ass as long as I can play with yours. And don't forget my breasts. I like my nipples hard. You are my only fantasy, well, at least for today. And no, I'll be calling you because he's wanting more of me only later and I am needing more now. As he leaves, I'm wishing there was a man that could keep up with more than just my horseplay. But for now, the only thing left for me to say is, next. Now the sex is going on. And I have nothing to come back with that. This is my last time up tonight. I want to thank you all for having me out. This has been a great time, but the party hasn't stopped. Party's going to keep going. See, it's all just a matter of perspective. When I talk about me, I say me. And when I talk about you, I say you. But when you talk about you, you say me. And when you talk about me, you say you. Now think about it. Doesn't that make us both me? That would mean that you, you, and you are me. So we is just a bunch of me's. Me is nothing but another way of saying I. And I, I, 
I remember the Garden of Eden where I pulled out my rib to make more of me. I used to have all of my arms and legs until I ate the fruit that made God angry, tasted dust, realized I was naked, and was forced to leave the garden with me in tow. I remember the first time I laid down with me, made love to me, till I gave birth to more and more of me. You see, to me I am me and you are you, but to you, you are me and I am you, which makes us both me. Or in other words, I would have wiped the tears from my eyes, but my hands were already nailed to the cross, would have breathed in my last breath if I hadn't swung so hard to break both my kneecaps, make me die the martyr for all of me to come. Well, halfway across the world, I was trying to challenge all my alternate identities to understand the great oneness that is me when I was called Nirvana. But confused and delusional parts of me decide to name themselves created lies like us and them. And don't I understand there is only me. As a youth, I believe so strongly in my country that I would raise my hand high. High. Hi Hitler! Hi Hitler! And I took the soap from me because I was tired and dirty. And all I wanted was the water to cover me and dead bodies grew graves of myself. I once told me that I loved me, then smacked me around till I swore I'd never come back to me. But then I promised I would never do it again. Believe me long enough to return to the cycle of violence and hated myself so much I created something called race-ism. Decided that separate was equal. I wouldn't let me drink from the clean water fountains, eat in the nice restaurants. I wouldn't even let me sit in the front of the bus when I was tired and had worked so long. This is not a dream. Society is nothing more than the schizophrenic whirlwind of my heart. There is no us or them, only we. A hundred thousand million me's. And now, can't you feel it? Can't you feel it? The continents, they are shifting. On my back. Dave. Dave. Uh, sure you won't change your mind about this? Uh-huh. This belongs to me and so do my lips. I don't see any difference. Oh, I do. Okay. You know you don't have to act with me, Steve. You don't have to say anything and you don't have to do anything. Not a thing. Oh, maybe just whistle. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. <laughs> 